Um, but we're actually in 1 Timothy this morning, continuing through chapter 4 of 1 Timothy chapter 4. And last week we looked at a good minister pre- uh, preaches the word. And it, the context is a pastor or preacher, but in a very real way, we're all ministers. We're all called to, because minister means servant. We're all called to serve the Lord and let people know about the word. And today we're going to look at a good minister practices the word. And again, it is written, Paul writes it to Timothy, the young preacher and pastor of the church in Ephesus. But again, we can all relate to this in that we're to just take in the word, hear the word, but also do the word, do what it's talking about. And so the title this morning is Practicing the Word. And in Luke eleven twenty eight, Jesus replied to a lady who was praising him. She was praising him. And she said, blessed is the woman who bore you. And Jesus replied, more than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. And it's just like, wow, that sums it up. People have made you promises probably they did not keep. They said one thing and they did another. They talked the talk, but they didn't walk the walk, as the saying goes. Um, And it's kind of like in golf or baseball. Can I get a volunteer? Tyler. Come up here. Um, sorry, I just volunteered. I knew he would. Okay, so I'm I'm not I'm like a snowboarder, or skateboarder. I did like one season of baseball when I was younger, and I switched sports. So I'm not good at it. But I know about follow through. Okay, so so how do you stand? Like when you when you're up to bat, like show show them how you stand. Okay, okay, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Parallel. Like I was trying to show my my daughters. They're in t-ball and they had tryouts, and they were like this. You know, all awkward. I'm like, so you got to plant your feet, right? You got to plant your feet, and then so. What does it look like to swing, like a good swing to follow through? Boom. Yes, yes, good, good. What about if you didn't follow through? What's like a partial swing? Just try to... So what's, what's the difference? Like what's going to happen for the first and the second one? If you follow through... Uh-huh. Yeah, it won't go as far. If you follow through, though, like swing it with all your might. Go for it. Just go for it. <laughs> I know you're strong. Don't let the bat go, actually. <laughs> Yes, that was good. That was a home run. Perfect. Thank you, Tyler. That was awesome. Yeah, so the follow-through. It's about the follow-through. And I don't know, the Super Bowl is this week, so I got a football. I didn't do this in first service, so I was afraid I was going to hit someone. But the same thing, right? If you, like, kind of half do it, it's going to fall to the ground. It's not going to reach the person. But if you throw it, if you follow through, ready, Jackson? If you follow through, yes, that was somewhat of a spiral. Good catch. Um, Then it's going to go farther, Right, And so the Christian life, it's about follow-through. It's about getting your feet planted. Like Paul said, don't be moved. Get your feet planted and follow through because then it'll go farther. Then you're going to win the race, if you will. You have to stand correctly, and you have to follow through. And so as I was studying the Word this week, I thought that's an analogy for the Scripture because Paul's been writing about standing firm in the truth so that we can think correctly and today he speaks about following through with what God's word says. And we can know something, right? You guys know a lot. We, all, we take in information. We're, we're Americans. We have the information, all information that we need right here in our pockets, right? Supercomputers. Um, we can know something, but it doesn't actually become wisdom until we put it into practice and follow through with what we know. And so the first, time I, the first time I shot a shotgun was when I was in Idaho, I think. It was years ago. I was a kid, and uh, my, my sister had a, a boyfriend named Dale. He had, like, a big old beard, burly guy. We used to, like, search the land for, like, arrowheads and stuff. And this, so it was the first time I shot a shotgun. 
He didn't teach me anything. And so he didn't show me how to hold it, unfortunately. <laughs> you know, maybe that was on purpose. I don't know. But I, I held the shotgun and he like threw a can up. He's like, shoot it. You know, so he threw it up. And of course, um, I shot the gun. I was like, I was like oh, I like it. Because I didn't butt it up against, you know how that is. I didn't butt it up against there, and it hit so hard. And I was black and blue, and finally he's like, oh, yeah, you got to hold it like this. I'm like, thanks, dude. If I would have known that, I could have put that into practice, but it hurt. Um, But wisdom is following through with what you know, with what you read from God's Word. And we all know a lot of God's Word. Like when I say a scripture, you guys all say it. I'm like, you guys just teach. Like, (laughs) you know, you know God's Word, right? But are we practicing, are we living it out in this dark world? Or is the word just like theoretical or abstract? See, God's word, it's so clear, and as we take it in, we're called to live it out. You know, like, for instance, be a peacemaker, not a troublemaker. Be kind, not mean. Be gentle and loving. Be like Jesus. Focus on what matters in this life. You know, live a life of surrender knowing you're not sufficient on your own. And that we can go on and on, but the point is... Read the word of God and keep it, just like Jesus stated, right? So in this section of scripture, Paul gives Timothy like an athletic illustration. Uh, And Paul basically points out that just as athletes need to refuse certain foods to get in shape and win the race, so too Christians can take certain actions in order to be more effective in running their race of faith. And it's like if a Christian puts as much energy and discipline into his or her spiritual life as an athlete puts into their game, and the Christian accomplishes, accomplishes much more for God. So Paul basically discusses three levels of a life in this section, which is, number one, the bad. We're going to look at the bad, the temporary, number two, and the eternal. The bad, the temporary, and the eternal. So let's pray, and then we'll get into the word this morning. Well, again, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this morning, this opportunity to get into your word. We just pray that we would take it in and then go out into the world and live it out, Lord. Uh, Really put feet to our faith, if you will, Lord. And we just pray that you strengthen us, just speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 says, But reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourself towards godliness. For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the new life that now is and of that which is to come. He says, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. For to this end, we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is our savior of all men, especially of those who believe. He said, these things command and teach. So the first thing we have is the bad, right? Paul had been writing about the false teachers and the off doctrine. And we see from verse 1, remember that the Holy Spirit prompted Paul to write these things as a warning. And in this section, we see three warnings from Paul. We see the danger of apostasy. He wrote, some will depart. We see the danger of deception. He wrote, deceiving spirits. And we see the danger of false teaching. He wrote, doctrines of demons. So in verse 7, he refers to profane and old wives' fables. These doctrines basically have no place in Scripture, and they actually contradict the Word of God. And that's why the point is the bad, right? It's the bad. They're the kind of teachings that people don't know the Word of God well that they would want to discuss and spend their whole lives on. Those who dedicate themselves to the reading and relaying, though, of God's Word, they don't have time to entertain these unscriptural, unbiblical, and heretical doctrines, right? It's a waste of time. And this really is about keeping our priorities straight because we put weight on God's word, not on man's word. 
Paul also warned Titus about Jewish fables. Here's a stark reality, in fact, right? A believer cannot rediscover new doctrines. A believer cannot rediscover new doctrines. Is the word, you know, is the word of God old? Yes. Is it outdated? No. Is God's word new? No. Is it true? Yes. <laughs> right? Paul had reminded Timothy to remain true to the good doctrine which you have closely followed up to now. So Paul warned Timothy not to give heed to fables and endless genealogies. And as a pastor, I must know what the enemy's teaching and twisting. But at the same time, I'm not going to be influenced by his lies and half-truths. And as believers, you must know the enemy's tactics so as to reject his lies and refuse his enticements. Like a sports team. A sports team will study their opposing team, but not more than they invest in their own plays and practices. We don't want to spend all our time stunning the enemy, or our spiritual lives will be unbalanced. If someone talks more about Satan than Jesus, it's off. <laughs> it's unbalanced. It's like the atheists who spend all their time, their whole lives trying to debunk. Atheists spend their whole lives talking about God, how they don't believe in him. But if they were truly atheists, they wouldn't care about Christians or God, or they wouldn't even talk about it at all. They would just be like, who cares? So we want to know the tactics of the enemy without being infected by the enemy. One pastor likened it to a chemist. You know, a chemist actually handles and studies certain kinds of poisons. You know, we had a guy in my, my last church who was a microbiologist, like kind of world-renowned. He was super humble. He would never tell you his work is published in all these big magazines. He's like, stop it, stop it. He was so humble. But, but a chemist doesn't ingest the poison or let it get into his system. And my intellectual example is jalapenos. Who's a jalapeno person? Is anyone? Okay. All right, the first service, everyone was. There's only kind of like one-third of the people. Yeah, I love jalapenos. I love them. And I will eat jalapenos and enjoy the taste of them. I will, and I will continue to. I can only have a few, though. My stomach can't. But my wife makes some mean jalapeno poppers. If you want the recipe, she'll give it to you. It's super good. But I know the nature of jalapenos. If I touch a jalapeno and then rub my eye, you ever done that? <laughs> Pain. It will burn. It will, it will not be good. Or your eyes will sting. Since I know that, I will not touch them during the cooking process. And if I do, I'm going to wash my hands. We know the nature of the enemy. You know, Corey Tinboom, the Holocaust survivor and an avid Christian, said, the first step on the way to victory is to recognize the enemy. The enemy seeks to keep unbelievers lost and get believers to waver in their faith. And we are to know the enemy's nature but not be influenced by his tactics. You can know someone lies a lot. Maybe you know someone who lies a lot. You know, you, know, you know they lie a lot, but that doesn't mean you have to believe their lies. You have the opportunity to, to influence them for the truth. C.S. Lewis, he said this, he said, There's no neutral ground in the universe. Every square inch, every split second is claimed by God and counterclaimed by Satan. So the bad is the false teaching, the lies, and the tactics of the enemy. Like we must beware and be aware of what can come against us so that we can cling to God with all of who we are. So we see the bad, number one. Number two, we see the temporary. And that's in the second half of verse seven and verse eight, the temporary. Like our bodies are God's temple to be used for his service and tools to further his kingdom. And we see the contrast here. Bodily exercise is good while we're on this earth, but spiritual exercise is good from now unto eternity. So to make it clear, Paul didn't ask Timothy, you know what, choose one or the other. Choose one or the other. Okay, either you're going to work out physically or you're going to work out spiritually. Take your pick. No, 
Paul was emphasizing the importance of healthy spiritual habits. He was making the point that godliness is more important than anything else in this life. Sure, work out here, work out there, but make sure your spiritual life is invested in above all else. Major, God, major in godliness, minor in physical exercise. The workout people are like, how dare you? <laughs> you know, never give up, go for it, never surrender. That's cool to work out. Be hardcore and working out if that's what you're into. But make sure you're hardcore when it comes to spiritual things. But really, Paul, Paul's contrasting physical exercise, the temporary, with spiritual strength, eternal. And it really comes down to what you're putting as a priority. And, and it really comes down to people making excuses for not reading the Bible and daily seeking God. Like, do you know that no excuse is valid when it comes to healthy spiritual habits? It's not valid. We, we have to make time, you know? And less Facebook, more praying. Less casual reading, more intense seeking God, more the word of God. Less shopping online, more seeking God. More like, I'm busy is the worst excuse. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm busy. Who's not busy? Anyone? Is anyone not busy? Oh, yeah, you just have all day. Okay. Actually, there's one guy from the first service. Every, every week he's retired, so every week he's like, oh, things are great, I'll just hang out. Like, I, <laughs> I, he, maybe he's the one person that's not busy. But, um, but I'm busy is a horrible excuse to not see God. Neglect something else. Do less of something else in order to do more of seeking God, in order to do more devotion time. Don't make excuses. Don't neglect fostering your relationship with Jesus. That's the most important thing in this life. That's the most important thing because when you do that, you, then you, that's going to trickle down into your family, into your work, into your parenting, into everything else. If you're putting other things before God, then it's, it's going to be imbalanced. You're going to be imbalanced. Neglect something else, but don't neglect fostering your relationship with Jesus, number one. So we see the bad, number one. We see the temporary, number two. And number three, we see the eternal, verse 9 to 12. We see the eternal. And one scholar said, the great purpose of life is the shaping of character by truth. Soak in the statement that the great purpose of life is the shaping of character by truth. Godly character and conduct are much more important than gold medals or temporal trophies. Is it possible to have both? Sure. But our priority as Christians should be a godly character shaped by truth, not shaped by opinion, not shaped by unbiblical books, not shaped by anything other than the but by truth. This, this, your word is truth, right? This is number one. Is this number one? If you don't have one of these, let me know. I will give you one for free. <laughs> like, we need to make sure we're in God's word and letting God's word get into our hearts. So, and this is what Paul's challenging young Timothy to have. Be devoted to godliness, man. Be devoted to it. Just like an athlete is devoted to his sport. We are called, you are called to live, to labor for the Lord. And it's like, do you believe that? God really does want to see his children walking in truth and walking in their calling. Do you want that for yourself? Do you want that for your kids? Do you want your kids to walk in their calling? To see them walk in truth and live what they're called to, you know, and to live what they're called to live out? Like, I pray that for my kids all the time. And we're working towards that. But you, you can't just pray for them. You need to actually demonstrate to them that you're reading God's word and living it out. Because you can say it all day long, but if they don't see you live it out, they're not going to follow you. They're not going to listen to you. They're just going to be like, oh, yeah, my, my, my dad my mom's a hypocrite. They tell me to do all this stuff, but they don't do it. 
We read about being kind and gentle and faithful. Are we living those traits out? We read about the fullness of joy. Do we actually have the fullness of joy? Or are you just like, have joy? (laughs) Or, Or are we actually, do you have joy? Or are they just saying, she says, I need joy, but I'm scared of her or him. You know, it's like, my parents are scary. No, like, have joy. Real joy. Not like, have joy. Paul loved the whole athletic analogy, right? He wrote similar things in Corinthians, and he emphasized godly disciplines. Without godly disciplines and goals, guess what? You're not going to grow. Why am I not spiritually growing? Are you doing anything, you know, to further your relationship with God? Nope. That's why. If you don't have godly disciplines, you'll wither away and be ineffective for eternity. Just like an athlete must control his or her body to get in shape, the Christian must make his body his servant, not his master. Yeah, I know I bring this up like every other week, but American Ninja Warrior. Okay, we, we're on a kick right now. We're watching that. Me and my girls have been watching it lately as we sit on the couch and eat ice cream and cheer these super in-shape people on. We're like, yeah, go, eating ice cream, slobs, you know. But when we watch the show, it inspires us to work out. It inspires me. I don't know about them. But I'm just like, oh, man, I want to work out. And my wife's like, stop it. We're eating ice cream right now. I don't want to think about that. But I'm just like, man. But after the ice cream, I'm like, okay, that was the last junk food. I'm getting in shape. Monday, every Monday is like a New Year's resolution. You ever realize that? Come on, you, you can relate, don't lie. So you're, you're just like, on Sunday, you're just like, oh my gosh, I'm so, I feel so blue, whatever. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, again, Monday. Monday I'm starting, right? And you do good in the morning, and then lunch happens, and you're like, shoot, I need fast food. I'm busy at work, come on. But without follow through, it's not gonna happen. We learn and we know what God's word says, and after we learn it, it's time to follow through, to live it out, to practice what we believe. We can inspire each other as well. Like, I watch other preachers and believers who I admire, and I'm inspired and lifted up and encouraged like crazy. God's given other different, you know, others different personalities, and that's a good thing. You know, use your God-given personality to, to connect with those who need Jesus. May we be inspired to pray more, to ponder God's promises, to serve God, to sacrifice, to show God's love. And the list goes on. It's like, don't you want to become more of a godly person? Don't you want to grow in the faith? Don't you want to, this life is so short. It's a vapor. It's a shadow, the Bible says. I do, because the more we grow, the more effective we're going to be for eternal things. Remember, in this section, Paul's writing about practicing the truth. The minister preaches it and practices it. Same with you. Same with every believer. You take in the word, and then what? You let it die within you? No, you live it out. So it's like, are you living out the word? Are you loving your spouse? Are you raising your kids up in the Lord? Are you working hard as unto the Lord? Trust me, sometimes it's like, I hate work, I hate my job, I hate everything here. <laughs> but, but there's those moments where you're like, Lord, but wait a second, you put me here. This, I'm not here by chance. The so Lord, give me the right heart in this job right now. It may, not, it may be he doesn't want you to make money. It may be he, he wants you to minister in that place where he has you. Are you reading God's word every day? Are, are you praying on a regular basis? Now, I'm not here to condemn, but I'm just here to remind us, you know, to have healthy spiritual habits in order to flourish in the faith. Spiritual exercise is not easy. If it was easy, we would all be so, we would just be so strong in the faith, just almost automatically, like so easy. No, we must, as Paul writes, labor and suffer reproach. Reproach is translated strive, which is an athletic term, which we get our English word agonize. And that's like, wow, it doesn't sound fun, right? I can't wait to agonize today in spiritual things. Like, you don't, really, you don't really think like that, but the word agonize is the picture of an athlete striving and straining and giving his or her best to win. 
Are you giving your all to God? See, exercising ourselves into godliness, it's profitable for us, and it's profitable for others. It, it enables us to be good examples so that we can actually encourage others. Like, we shouldn't seek to spiritually grow because we want to feel good about ourselves. That's just selfish, really. We should seek to spiritually grow to know the Lord more and be an example for others. Paul actually gives us certain ways that we can be examples as we look through these letters. Now, I'm just going to give you, a, I studied it, I'm just going to give you a real quick list of how, as believers, we can be good and godly examples, according to Paul. And is, so we can be examples, number one, in word. Speak the word, the truth, and love. So we can be examples in word. Number two, we can be examples in conduct. Live lives that are led by God's word. We can be examples in love, Paul writes. This is our motive to serve the Lord and follow him. This is why we're actually alive, because God's love. Be examples in love. Be examples in faith. This means we are to trust God. Be examples in purity. This means staying pure in mind, body, and spirit. In Ephesus, it was an impure and evil city during the first century. It was known for its lewdness and immorality. So when we practice the faith, not only will we grow spiritually and influence fellow believers, we'll also be an example for the lost. Because remember, Jesus is the Savior of all of mankind. Whoever calls upon him, emphasis on whoever, will be saved. So Paul was letting Timothy know to preach the word and practice the word because good will result. It's like, have you noticed that in your life? You take in the word, and you're astounded by what it says, and then you live it out and realize how life should be. Take it in and live it out. You know how it is. You, you were given a, a verse in the morning, and later on in the day, there is your test. There is your test. And you're like, whoa, that verse in the morning speaks directly to what I'm facing right now this afternoon. Am I going to actually follow, or am I disregarded and be like, I don't care, I'm mad? So take it in and live it out. Don't just take it in and do nothing. That leads to what? Spiritual apathy and complacency. Take it in and live it out. And this is how to grow. This is how to progress in the word of God, which is what we're going to see next week as Paul continues to write to Timothy. We haven't attained spiritual maturity or knowledge yet, and, and, and you won't until the day you go with, be with the Lord. You're not going to attain spiritual perfection on this earth It's only the false teachers who taught that, that you've attained. You're at the highest level of spiritual maturity right now. No, like there's no caste system in the Christian life. It's not a merit-based system. It's an individual journey that we're all on. And we come together to share our journey with one another and get built up and encouraged and exhorted. I love that. So we're going to pray, you guys, and then we're going to do communion this morning. Well, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this morning. We just thank you for your word. Uh, So good, Lord. And uh, so direct. God, we just thank you that you don't really, you don't beat around the bush, you don't uh, say things abstractly. It's just so clear. And we pray, Lord, we wouldn't just take in the word, we wouldn't just talk about the word, but we would actually practice the word, that we would live it out, that we would be doers of the word, not just hearers only, like James writes. God, we just thank you for this word. We just thank you for this morning and this time that we get to just reflect upon who you are and what your son has done for each one of us, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.